our study in the prayer model that Jesus taught so that we can learn to pray like Jesus. When we started this series four weeks ago, uh, I said that Jesus has used this uh, prayer to totally re-energize and retool and refresh my prayer life. And he really has. Through teaching me this prayer in a new, fresh way, he's given me a reboot in my uh, prayer life and conversation with God. Jesus used this prayer model to clean out the prayer viruses and set me free uh, from old, un- unhealthy prayer habits. And one of my old prayer habits was thinking that God was a clock watcher and that what God wanted in my time of prayer with him was long uh, prayers with lots of uh, words. And then Jesus comes along and says, pray like this. And he gives us a model prayer that is 55 words long in English. Jesus teaches me that God's not impressed with long-winded prayers. Jesus teaches me that God prefers short prayers and that he likes it when I pray 20 seconds at a time all through my day. But there's another old prayer habit that uh, Jesus has cleaned off my soul's hard drive, and it has to do with uh, something that uh, Jesus taught before he taught the prayer, uh, his model prayer. So please turn your Bible or your device to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, and, uh, and we're going to study what Jesus said just before he taught us how to pray. Uh, in Matthew, chapter 6, beginning at verse 5, Jesus said this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So these words kill a prayer virus that was lurking in my soul. The idea that prayer is like a duty or an obligation or a chore that I have to fulfill in my relationship with God. Uh, and I'm not alone in this uh, old way of thinking about prayer. This is certainly how the hypocrites saw prayer. The Pharisees of Jesus' day saw prayer as part of their legalistic duty uh, to God. But Jesus says, don't pray like the hypocrites. Uh, Jesus leads me to a type of prayer that is not an act of responsibility, but is an opportunity for reward. In verse 6, Jesus says, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So not only does Jesus teach me how to pray, Jesus teaches me why I should pray. And Jesus teaches me that there is a proper motivation for prayer, and it may surprise you. The motivation is not a sense of responsibility, but a desire for reward. Jesus says, you should pray, and I'll tell you why. Because it's a pathway to God's blessing in your life. It's opening yourself up to receive a reward from God himself. So maybe you're saying, well, praying out of a desire for reward is insulting to me, and it's insulting to God. Well, apparently not when it comes to God. 
Uh, Jesus would certainly not encourage us to do something that is insulting to God. Apparently, it pleases God when I am eager to pray because I consider a conversation with God something that it contains substantial reward. Right after Jesus spoke about reward in prayer, Jesus taught us a prayer. And so clearly there's a connection between Jesus' model prayer and rewards. So if we go back to Jesus' prayer, we'll find the rewards that Jesus promised buried like treasure in every line of his prayer. So let's go back to uh, Jesus' prayer as it's recorded in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, and let's go line by line seeking the reward of praying like Jesus. Jesus begins his prayer saying, Our Father in heaven. So Jesus starts this prayer with an amazing word. In the original language, the first word in Jesus' prayer is not our, it is Father. It is, in Jesus' Aramaic uh, word, it is the word Abba or Dad. So the first word is the most important word in Jesus' prayer pattern. Jesus teaches me that the first word, Abba, or Dad, establishes who God is and who I am to God. So is God my boss and I'm his employee? No. Is God a judge and I'm a defendant, uh, uh, the accused? No. Is, uh, is God a general and I'm a soldier reporting for duty? No. Who is God and who am I? God is my Abba Dad and I am his adored and cherished kid. And this gets to the first reward. The the reward buried in that first word that, that Jesus has in his prayer here. You know, Jesus says, Do not be like the hypocrites who pray in the street corners to be seen by others because they have already received their reward in full. So what was the reward that the hypocrites received? The hypocrites received the reward of approval from people. So what reward do I receive when I relate to God as my Abba, Dad? I experience the reward of God's approval. Now, before you get the wrong idea, let me quickly explain that the point is not that God approves of me more if I pray more. No. Uh, If I am God's child, then God showers me with his affection and his acceptance and unconditional love, whether I pray or not. The point is that the act of praying to my Abba Dad is opening myself up to the experience of God's approval in my life. In the process of praying to my Abba Dad, I experience God's approval. God embraces me with his affirmation. He showers me with his affection. He lifts me with his love. And this experience changes me. Being embraced by God's approval transforms me into a person who can't be intimidated by anything or any. One, Uh, the hypocrites, they sought approval from people and so became enslaved to the fear of human disapproval. 
hypocrites sought that kind of approval from people and then lived in fear. But when I experience God's approval, I become fearless. I'm turned into a person who is set free from fear. God's love frees me so that I'm not intimidated by public opinion or criticism or bad days or negative circumstances. When I receive and experience God's approval, I become fearless. And this is what the Apostle John is expressing when he writes this in 1 John chapters 3 and 4. See what great love the Father, Abba, has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. You know, there's something lurking even in the heart of the child of God, and that is that I'm not acceptable to God. Uh, God's disappointed with me. He wants to punish me. But if I am God's child in Jesus, this fear is driven out by Abba's perfect love. God's perfect approval sets me free from fear. So Jesus starts with this word, Abba, because starting my prayer with this concept reboots everything. The place I start in prayer determines where I end up in prayer. Jesus wants me to start and finish embraced by Abba's complete approval. God wants me to come to him and talk and then be healed in the process of talking to someone who is an affirming listener. You know, the, uh, the science of counseling and psychotherapy is built on a truth that having an affirming listener hear you out is healing. It heals inner confusion and hurts. And there are many good reasons to pay a therapist uh, to listen to you. But don't forget that the Bible calls Jesus wonderful counselor. And there are rewards, healing heart rewards, found just in talking to God, this affirming listener. Next, Jesus says, Hallowed be your name. And in this brief phrase, Jesus calls me to worship in prayer. Jesus begins by inviting me to relate to God in a warm and informal way. But then after inviting me to call God Dad, then Jesus reminds me that this God is beyond awesome and he must be set apart with my worship. So, what reward do I receive when uh, I hallow God in worship? I experience the reward of God's peace. In large part, I get in life what I focus my attention on. If I focus on my problems, I get panic. But if I focus my attention on God, I get peace. When I focus on who God is in worship, my problems shrink to actual size. This is why David could defeat his Goliath. Everybody else in Israel saw Goliath as this unbeatable giant, but David came up to Goliath and said this in 1 Samuel chapter 17. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name, hallowed name, of the Lord God Almighty. And this 
is, hallowed be your name in action. Because David had this worshipful focus on the one who created the universe, Goliath seemed positively puny. And so David was empowered by the reward of God's peace that comes in worship. So worship. Now let me remind you that there is a difference between worshiping God and thanking God. Uh, Worshiping God is praising God for who he is. Thanking God is praising God for what he does. Uh, In this phrase, hallowed be your name, Jesus is calling me to worship God, not thank God. Thanking God comes later in this prayer model. But here, at the very beginning of his model prayer, Jesus emphasizes the priority of praising God for who he is. And as I do, I receive the reward of worship. God's powerful, unshakable, giant-toppling peace. Next, Jesus prays, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in this phrase, Jesus is calling me to listen to God in prayer. And as I listen, I will hear God calling me to become part of his plan to bring a slice of heaven to my slice of earth. God wants to use me to guide people to Jesus, to bring healing, to give love and make an impact. So what reward do I receive when I listen to God's will for my life in prayer? I receive the reward of God's purpose. And this is a big reward. By listening to God, I hear how God wants to use me as a part of his plan. And this gets to the deepest desire in my life. Deep down, I want to be part of something bigger than I am. Deep down, I want my life to count. But not every Christ follower gets this. The Apostle Paul says that there are some of God's children who will enter eternity, stand before Jesus, and realize that they wasted their lives. This is what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's a scene of heaven. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day of standing before Jesus will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, The builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Praying, your kingdom come, your will be done, and then listening to God and his will for my life saves me, saves me from a worthless life and gives me the reward of being a part of God's purpose and making my life count for all eternity. Next. Jesus prays, give me today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And in these words, Jesus invites me to ask God about my personal and relational and spiritual needs. What rewards do I receive when I 
ask God to meet my needs in prayer, I experience the reward of God's provision. When I come to God and ask God to help me with my personal, relational, and spiritual needs, sometimes God answers yes, sometimes he answers no, sometimes he answers better yet. In every answer, God provides for my best. I receive the rewards of provision, even in the process of asking. So in verse 8, Jesus says that God already knows what I need before I ask him. So the question is, why does an all-knowing God ask me to ask him? There are three main reasons. Number one, asking God grows my dependence on God. You know, in some ways, maturing as a child of heaven is the opposite of maturing as a child of earth. Um, On earth, growing in maturity means growing and becoming more and more independent. But growing as a child of heaven means maturing by growing more and more dependent upon Abba, Father. God wants me to ask in prayer in order to grow my trust and dependence upon him. Two, asking grows my faith in God. God wants me to ask him for my specific needs, not general, specific needs, so that when he answers in specific ways, my faith grows. The more I ask God for my specific needs, the more I will see God's activity in my life. For instance, if I have a desperate need for $1,617 and I don't ask God for help, well, God's not going to respond with a miracle $1,617 check. Why? Because if I get that, I'll say, wow, what a coincidence. But if I present my $1,617 need to God and God responds with a miracle $1,617 check, God knows that I will not say, wow, what a coincidence. I'll say, wow, what a God. And God gets the glory and my faith grows. God wants me to ask with specific requests so that he can specifically answer in a way that increases my faith. Three, asking grows my relationship with God. God wants me to come to him and ask because it means me coming in person. God wants more of me. God invites me to come and ask as part of his desire to grow deeper in a relationship with me. You know, I don't usually uh, tell stories where I am the hero, uh, but I'm going to make an exception today, all right? One day, when my kids were about five years old, uh, my kids were really sad and really upset. I don't remember the reason why they were crying, but they were crying, and they wouldn't stop and wouldn't stop. It was winter, and I was shoveling outside in the freezing air, which is only important. Because it explains why I was wearing my super blue skin-tight silk long underwear. And uh, hearing my kids in tears, I decided to use my blue silk skin-tight long underwear 
to cheer them up. So I added to my blue outfit a towel around my neck. And uh, I I bounded into the room where they were crying and said, Never fear! Super Daddy is here! And I don't want to brag. But it was a huge hit. Uh, my kids were totally cheered up, and actually they called for a Super Daddy Encore three times. And uh, not only did it work that night, but uh, for years this became a family tradition. Uh, when a kid had a very bad day, or when a kid was crying and couldn't stop, somebody would say, call Super Daddy. And uh, within about five embarrassing minutes, uh, Super Daddy would appear. Now, like all little kids, my kids pushed the limits. They started manufacturing problems so they could call Super Daddy. We had to make rules that burned toast is not bad enough to uh, call Super Daddy. Uh, it, it, it was against the rules to pretend to cry in order to, you know, to call Super Daddy. And there were several occasions when uh, my wife tried to call Super Daddy. And uh, Super Daddy never came for her. Because Super Daddy can tell when people are calling just to laugh at him. And uh, it's a superpower that comes with a cape. Uh, But when there were real tears and there was real hurt, my kids could always call Super Daddy. And he would always appear and make them feel better. And one time uh, Jen said to me, she said, you know, it must be great to be a kid and have a Super Daddy. And I said, you know what? Being a super daddy is great too. And to have the experience of coming to rescue your kids when they call. Think about that. God loves to come and rescue you. Jesus' name means rescuer. God wants to call, wants you to call on him in your time of need. God loves it when you call him and just ask. So if you're crying, real tears, call him. Just ask. Jesus says he's your Abba Dad. He wants you to ask. Just ask. Finally, this prayer concludes with these words. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now, the Bible is the most rigorously studied book in history. And this study reveals that the Bible that you hold in your hands is 100% reliable. Due to rigorous scholarship, you know that out of the 66 books of the Bible, there are only two or three phrases that have crept in uh, into the copy that were not part of the original. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever is probably the most well-known of these non-original phrases. Jesus probably didn't say these words, but they were added by a copier who wrote these words as a grateful response to this prayer that Jesus taught. And I think that's how we should use these words. We should let these words prompt us to thank God for the rewards in conversation with him, the rewards of God's approval and God's peace and God's purpose and God's provision. And, of course, the highest reward of all is just a relationship with God that he invites us into both now and forever and ever. Amen.
This concludes our study of the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Now that I know how to pray and I know why I should pray, now comes the fun part. Actually praying like Jesus. I'd like you to take out a card. Uh, Hopefully you got a card in your bulletin. Uh, If you didn't, that's no problem, but just take that out. Uh, And you're probably not going to be able to read it right now, but the content is going to be on the screen in just a moment. Uh, And this card is designed for you to take with you and use as a prayer guide so that you can pray like Jesus in your personal prayer time. Uh, This card breaks the prayer Jesus taught into five phrases with the prompting titles of relate, worship, listen, ask, and then thank. And in our final moments together, I'd like to guide you through a silent time of prayer. This is just between you and Abba, Dad. And uh, if you can see the card, you can use it or just follow what's on the screen. Uh, It's going to be identical Ready? Just quietly now. Turn to God. Bow your head. Let's pray like Jesus. Our Father in heaven, relate. Jesus invites me to relate to God as my Abba or Dad. I can talk to God knowing that when I pray in Christ, I'm coming home to the place I am conditionally approved, accepted, and loved. Just receive that now in quiet. Hallowed be your name. Worship. Hallowed means holy. It means set apart by perfection. Now express words of worship to God. Amazed at this all-knowing, all-powerful, all-perfect God who reveals himself in Scripture, calls you to be his child. Worship him now. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen. Before I tell God what I want from him, I first need to listen to what God wants from me. Seek God's will and how he wants to transform you and use you to change your world. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So now ask. Jesus teaches me to ask God for whatever I need, personally or relationally or spiritually. No need is too small or too big to present to God. Just ask. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Thank. In view of God's goodness, in view of who He is, express gratitude for His grace and love that calls you into a relationship now and forever. Thank Him. Now let's uh, sing this uh, this back to God. Would you please stand as we continue? And uh, I'm going to encourage you to take this card, use it. Um, I'm going to encourage you to pray this model every day from now until Thanksgiving. But uh, whatever you decide to use this card for, don't forget, don't forget the rewards of prayer, the rewards of praying 
like Jesus.